0: Welcome to Awaken to Sleep Education. Uh, we're going to jump into this this presentation for uh, why your sleep case why your sleep case acceptance sucks and how to fix it. As we uh, get started, I want to introduce Michael Cohen, our CEO. He has actually been in sleep medicine for uh, nearly two decades, uh, seventeen years. He was trained classically as a pediatric sleep technician, and he is someone who. Um, has actually worked in CPAP technologies, developing CPAPs, working and building sleep centers all over the country. And about five years ago, he started a week in sleep because, um, his mission and passion to really help people sleep better and the story of his daughter. So he's bringing this 20, almost 20 years of sleep experience and, um, about 10 years of dental sleep medicine experiences, conversation and working with sleep clinics and also with dental practices. So, Mike, why don't you say hi, introduce yourself, and uh, let's get started.
1: Well, I don't know what else there is to introduce. You basically made me sound uh, really old and uh, possibly knowledgeable. So, hopefully I can uh, live up to that second part. Um, But, yeah, uh, guys, also to introduce Chad for a quick minute, uh, Chad Wooters, he's our executive sleep coach uh, here at Awaken to Sleep. He is the guy with the boots on the ground, if you will. So uh, from a setting your fee, working out the kinks, working through these monthly coaching sessions uh, with clients, um, he's definitely the guy with uh, the knowledge uh, as far as our company goes. So uh, we're here basically to serve you. Uh, We have a kind of a pointed uh, title tonight. Uh, We want to help you sell more stuff. And uh, even though sell is a four-letter word, it's the good kind. So we're going to hopefully do more of that together and uh, get this presentation uh, rocking. So we promise to uh, not put you to sleep and uh, and keep it real. So Chad, why don't you uh, take it away here?
0: Yeah. So as we're talking to practices, and if you don't know who Awaken to Sleep is, we are a coaching company that works um, nationally and in most states, I believe. We only have one or two states that we don't have clients in right now. Um, I do wanna say hi to a couple people who are chatting. So uh, Jill, thanks for joining us. Amanda from Albuquerque, Michelle, uh, Mark from California. Thank you guys for jumping on today. As we've worked with these practices, we've run into a significant amount of obstacles um, that are fairly consistent in these practices. And really, these four things that you see here, and they're not all the obstacles, but they do encompass a lot of the problems that we see. They all lead to that statement that we all love in the treatment room. I'll think about it. Uh, I was just talking to a doctor in Kansas. um, I want to say it was on Monday, or maybe it was Thursday of last week. And they said, Chad, you know, we're a practice that does several hundred thousand dollars a month in in production. And we're not happy because in sleep, we only did $30,000 last year. And I was like, wow, I I think most practices wish that they had your problem. I wish most practices were upset about $30,000 in sleep, where most practices are really trying to get past the $5,000 mark or the $10,000 mark. And we're here to talk about how to get past that $10,000 mark. And for some of us, really move into that over $30,000 a month if you're one of those bigger, larger performing practices. So these four obstacles that we're going into, they take place in various parts of the workflow. When we look at a sense of urgency, our patients are coming in and if they, if we don't give them the next step and make it really easy for them to move forward, they're not going to move forward. Team buy-in, if our team doesn't have that understanding of what sleep is, what it means to our patients and how we're helping them, then that's not going to translate into converting them to a home sleep test and eventually an oral appliance. The other thing is our expensive plastic. Uh, if you have seen any of these really new, modern, sleek dental, sleep medicine appliances, they are really minimalistic, and and if you're charging a fair fee, they're probably pretty expensive. So when they look like you can make them out of the wrappers or the uh, the things that cans come off of, uh, and, and you could just put those together and put them in your mouth, and that's what it looks like. It, it doesn't look expensive compared to what you're charging. So we just have to build value. I want to talk about that. And the last thing is medical billing real quick. If I could just get a poll of our audience, if you are in an office that does medical billing or is interested in medical billing, or you are someone who encourages people to do medical billing, go and raise your hand. There's a raise your hand button. I want to see how many people we we have on the call that are, are talking about medical billing with their patients. Okay. Thank you. David Guzman, Robert, so I saw a couple other people raise your hand. Thank you for that, Mike. We we spent some time really working with offices on these four areas. What do you What do you have to add? Any depth you want to touch on in this in this slide?
1: Yeah, I I would break it down uh, even more simplistic, Chad. When we talk about sense of urgency, when we ask patients to go do something and then have no follow up or accountability, like hey, go back to the physician that didn't refer you and didn't screen for this and ask them to do something and there's no follow-up, that doesn't create any sense of urgency. You know, from a team standpoint, we gotta equip the team in order for them to have buy-in and correct word choice. That sounds simple, but it's not. Um, If you're the patient and you have a $3,000, $4,000 treatment plan sitting in front of you with a piece of plastic on a fake set of teeth, it's really easy to see that that's an expensive piece of plastic. Um, And and what do you mean you can't explain my medical insurance in detail the way that you did my dental? Um, So I I think today the basis of the answers to these obstacles isn't really complex. It's really thinking about it from the patient standpoint. And what are we doing to make this process reinforce the need for this, the want for this on the patient side, and the fact that it's easy to say yes. If we make it easy for people to say yes, they will. And the ones that don't, you know, maybe it's not their time, but I think that that's, that is kind of the hallmark. We got to make it easy for them to say yes and help them understand what the value is in the whole conversation.
0: And so with that, guys, let's, uh, let's jump into the solutions. We know four basic buckets of problems and here's what, well, as we jumping in here, I also would encourage you guys to uh, in the question answer section, if you have a question about a specific obstacle that you have had in your practice, please add that to our list. We're gonna come back at the end in the question answer set time and really dive into specific instances where we have unique individual problems that are on here. Um, I, I see Juanita from uh, Chicago and some people from our friends at Mound Builders General Dentistry. Nice to see you guys on the call. I'm glad you guys can make it. First thing we're gonna jump into is our sense of urgency. One of the biggest factors that we see across the board that hinders our oral appliance therapy acceptance is the home sleep test. When a practice doesn't have a home sleep study in their, inside of their actual practice that they can hand to the patient. I'm um, actually, I guess I was using this for a, an office today. This is a home sleep studies that we use. And if you can't say, Hey, Mrs. Jones, take this home sleep study home with you. Then there is an automatic 40% drop off on your conversion of patients that are getting to the point that you can get them an oral appliance. Additionally, one of the factors we see here is if you're using a shipping model and we are a company that does home sleep test shipping. So we very experienced with these numbers. If you're using a home sleep testing shipping company, whether it's us or someone else, you're going to see that 30 or 40% of those patients never pick up the phone to get a test shipped. And from there, you're now looking at several weeks of time to get those results back to talk to that patient initially. So we're gonna dive into our models here. Mike, you we, you started Awaken to Sleep as a home sleep test shipping company because that's the industry that you knew when you came into the dental side. Um, what other metrics or, or considerations you see in our model here?
1: Um, honestly, that, that 40% is kind of a round number, all encompassing. Uh, what we found is it, it doesn't matter the lengths that people go to, to get an appointment scheduled for a patient. If they're not physically handing out a device, there is that 30 to 40% drop off. Um, you probably add an additional 12 to 18% of people that get referred out based on financial issues. Um, Depending on whether you refer them to an in-network, everything is perceived as covered a home sleep test or they're paying cash out of pocket. There's always a cost to things. A lot of times it's hidden, unfortunately, but, you know, there's certain drop offs for certain things. Um, There's ways to combat that, uh, frankly, but it's, it's difficult. So I would say uh, creating a sense of urgency though, on that topic, home sleep testing is just a tool to continue the conversation that happens prior to that. This is a potentially life-threatening disease. This is something that is directly affecting your health. We need to take action now. Not we need to take action and wait 3 months because we're waiting that long for a pre-off. Maybe it doesn't take that long. Cool. We're with a great medical billing. We're gonna, we're going to get into medical billing and you're going to have to keep me on track because I'm I got 5 people on the team medical billing side and everybody else is uh going down. So um, yeah, (laughs) yeah, that we got to create the sense of urgency with a tool that allows the patient to feel this is happening now. I'm taking action, not I'm thinking about it for several weeks or months.
0: So let's jump into the two different models that we see for sleep testing real quick. And I just want to also say there's no wrong way to do this. Obviously having equipment in your house, as you guys know, in the dental industry, as, as we bring more dentistry in-house, referring out for less and less procedures nowadays, we're seeing a higher amount of patients who are interested in saying yes to those treatment plans because they're already there. They're ready to move forward with this thing because they trust you and they have their relationship with you. That's the benefits of working with the home sleep study in your practice. Real quick, if you're on this call and you have a home sleep study, could you just raise your hands just so I could see who we're talking to in this model? Um, When we look and talking about owning and operating own equipment. We do have a higher startup cost, but long-term these practices see a return on the investment because they're charging a fair fee for that home sleep test. They're charging between $140 and $200. And that actually plays a role in our later conversation of building immense value in our treatment plan. We can actually roll that into our treatment plan later and give the patients some buy-in. So having a home sleep study in your practice is going to increase the timeline, which is probably the number one thing that detracts from a conversion later. We see that if your patient has to wait three or four weeks to get presented a treatment plan for sleep, they're less interested. It's less important to them because they've had three or four weeks to live their life since you had the conversation about why they should take home a test. So it's a faster workflow, more control, a small increase in the revenue side, and a higher patient patient acceptance. So having a home sleep study is really advantageous. That being said, finding a service that does third-party shipping is sometimes necessary. If you're in New York or New Jersey, that might be a requirement in your state. So you need to find a company that does either fee-for-service testing or that has a telemedicine solution. Now, not to brag, we do both, but the important thing is that you have to find a company that works best for you. There are lots of companies out there that are doing telemedicine right now, which is important, especially for offices in those states, New York, New Jersey. But what's that timeline? Is that the right model for you? How many patients come back? I, you, you,
1: you see the face, <laughs> I can't help but hop in here, man. I, the only thing I'm gonna add, guys, again, this, this is not a plug for our service. You wanna use us? Great, we'd love to talk to you. Uh, frankly, though, no matter what service you're using, uh, or if you're looking at multiple services, find out exactly what they say to your patients and then on the first five, verify what they say to your patients. You don't wanna be in the lack of transparency model. And, And I don't say that against another company, but to be clear, the expectation that patients have from a medical specialist is that they hand them their insurance card and they get a surprise bill later from a third party company and they never talk to that doctor or hospital again about the bill. They're upset at someone else but they pay the bill or they go to collections. There's no transparency in the upfront conversation. If you ever tried that in your dental practice, they would chew you down to the bone. So make sure that whoever you're referring to also understands the level of transparency that your patients are needing, that they're coming from you and just verify that that's happening. I think that's a, a big one that kind of goes under the radar until it bites you in the butt. We don't want that to happen. So that's a, that's a great question to ask them uh, out of the gate.
0: One last thing that I've just heard about in that third-party model is I've actually heard of companies, and I think they've kind of petered out because it's not a super great model to work with dentists, but they actually diagnosed a patient and then sold them a CPAP directly from their service. And so they never went back to the dental practice. They never got helped at all. So just be careful. Vet your companies you're working with, guys. It doesn't have to be. Yes, that's not important. What's important is that we have patients who have successful outcomes, Right. So when you guys are looking at your home sleep testing model, whether you have a home sleep study and you're having that read by a physician, very, very important, or you're using a third-party service, verify what works for you. And if right now the expense of getting involved in a home sleep study is too much, you know, you're looking at $3,200 to $5,000 for most home sleep studies. If that's too much, then you start with a third-party model and you move into a point where you're purchasing equipment because you're working from a place of profit. So, and we're gonna talk about how to get there a little bit later today. Make sure to check with your dental board guidelines for uh, HST guidelines. I believe there's only a handful of states that have any kind of issue with that. Most states uh, and the ADA are definitely encouraging of sleep studies.
1: Yeah, and the AADSM uh, thankfully stepped up a few months ago uh, in middle of last year and actually put out a position statement on that. So um, again, like Chad said, uh, check with your state dental board on that topic. Uh, there's something right in the center of the slide that often gets glazed over and I can't not address it. What may be best for you and for your team in your perspective, it may not be what's best for your patients. And since we're primarily talking about case acceptance today, I would just candidly ask if you're losing certain cases or a certain percentage of patients based on the screening protocol or the testing protocol that you have, how many of those knows? cost you more money than the tests that you need. Now I'm not advocating for breaking everything in the dental practice, but if we're not going to poke you a little bit here on a webinar like this, I don't know who's gonna. So just consider that what may be best from your perspective right out of the gate may yield to more no's, which is not great for your patients. So you're going to want to balance that perspective as you're deciding on what your model is. At the end of the day, as long as you have a model and you're working through it with your team, kudos to you because you're helping people. And that's really what matters at the end of the day.
0: Awesome. The next problem I want to jump into is we want to talk about team buy-in. Um, we've, we, we've been working and training teams for a long time here. And um, it's actually incredible. The amount of impact that has sleep is a team driven protocol. So if the team is not there and the doctor is an evangelist who is evangelizing by themselves and the team either doesn't understand what they're doing or why they charge so much or why it matters, then you can't expect them to back your play, so to speak. So Michael actually, uh, the first thing I ever learned when I started working with Wake and Sleep several years ago was what we called the sleep business blueprint. So he's going to share some stuff from that with you just to talk about some ideas to get your team bought in to your sleep program and what you're really trying to do with patients. Yeah,
1: thank you, Chad. So, I mean, the first thing, guys, in, in the blueprint is we've got to understand that our team obviously has specific roles, right? And, and that goes without saying, I mean, everybody's got a title. They've got a position in the dental practice. The same thing goes for sleep. Now, some of these roles that you guys see on the screen, like hygiene being the trusted advisor or the doctor being the enabling leader, I get it. It's like common sense, you know, new fancy words on a Hallmark card for the same position. But if you're going to do this as a specialty in your practice, it's no joke. You you don't get to do a decent amount of work and make profits on something that doesn't have a system and a flow to it. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't choose your roles wisely, not just you as the leader, that's important, but the team stepping in and owning that role, understanding the handoffs and all of that stuff. If you don't do that, you're set up for failure. You're going to be one of the statistics in a practice that say, Hey, you know what? This broke my crap. I can't do this. Every time I talk to a sleep patient and a hygiene console, my office manager is chasing me with a knife because it's been 20 minutes in a two minute hygiene check. And I'm 30 minutes behind. Don't do that. I mean, we love the passion and we love hearing those screening components um, or those screening conversations. But those components of a well-integrated, highly calibrated team are what make or break a program. So if you're the one doing a 20-minute conversation, it's not the fact that you are breaking the schedule that's the problem. It's the fact that you are either not allowing or haven't enabled your hygienist to have that correct conversation. They're the screening lifeblood in your practice as a GP office. So if they screen everything else, they should be screening for this. If they know how to do it, give them the room. If they're asking for tools, give them that. If they need education, then get it for them. Because frankly, that's a lot cheaper than having patients go somewhere else for an oral appliance. So roles matter. And from a screening standpoint, when we move into that, you've got to do that on a team level. Now, That doesn't mean that everybody's going to have the same conversation, obviously. But when you have your hygienists that are stepping in and starting that screening conversation, there's a very appropriate handoff to you as the doctor when you make the clinical decision. If you're going to recommend a home sleep test to somebody as the doctor, you're the one that needs to step in and do that. Now, the hygienist can set up the entire pregame but there's a very specific handoff that takes a short amount of time for you to look at them and say, I agree, this is what I think you need to do, or this is what I'm going to refer you for, here are your options, something like that. So screening on a team level is gonna create the tidal wave for all the people that need to come back and have that financial treatment plan conversation with you about oral appliance therapy. The third component that is really critical in the business aspect of your sleep practice is your workflow. Now, I just talked about roles and who does what and do they know what they're doing? Have they been trained? Have you equipped them? That's important. But if everyone's operating independent of a system all over the place in the practice, just doing their part, all of it falls apart because it's not dependent on one person. As Chad mentioned, dental sleep medicine is a team-driven workflow. That's why so many practices that attend the great CE and come back with the best of intentions, when you inject this into the practice and not everybody understands what's going on, it implodes because it's going to touch everybody's desk, essentially, or their proverbial desk, right? If you have hygiene screening and you don't handle the handoff, they keep screening and nothing happens. They stop doing their job. Hygiene screens, hands off to you, and you try to get a home sleep study out, and the front desk doesn't know how to hand that out, get it back, and patients keep your units for a month. That's another break in the process. So if you have a workflow, you have a system that the team understands, you've customized for your practice, and everybody knows their role, the handoff, and where things get tracked, you're on the path to success. And again, guys, this webinar is about case acceptance, but we've got to understand this is the game before the game. If you're setting this up correctly, you're building the sense of urgency. The team is singing the same song like a beautiful symphony. This is not random instruments playing all on their own at different uh, choruses and to a different tune. This is everyone on the same page, singing the same song, working together, you're setting up this conversation with the patient exactly how you need to. They have trust, they have confidence, they have sense of urgency. They know what the call to action is because every single time something needed to be done, the people they talked to in your practice knew exactly what the next step was. This is the game before the game. So if we're not setting this up correctly, we're not building confidence and we're not showing patients that we know what the heck we're doing, they're likely gonna say, I'll think about it because there's a trust that's broken or there's a confidence that's lacking and we need to make sure this is dialed in there. Now, I will say um, on the team training standpoint, there are a lot of options out there, um, even despite in-person learning uh, you know, not happening in the last year for the better part of a calendar year. Um, guys, look at the options, look at what's out there and put it through a filter. Can you take your team to this? How big is your team? Does the course that you're going to look at the entire spectrum of the, what I briefly just shared with you? Roles, workflow, who does what? How is my team integrated? Or is this a course that is highly clinical, very didactic on a doctor level? Those courses aren't wrong. Guys, they serve a very specific appropriate purpose but god forbid you take your whole team who didn't go to dental school with you to that course that you have a hard time tracking at because it's new information they're gone make sure you're taking them to the right course ideally you've got smaller sessions you've got heavier engagement so that they don't feel stupid when they have a question because they've never done this you've got some stuff you can take home whether it's printed or electronic you've got forms or documents or a playbook, if you will. And in our humble opinion, I mean, we're teachers, we're coaches Man, learn from people that are approachable. Learn from people that don't make you feel stupid when you ask the stupid question because it's your first time asking it. Um, I would highly recommend that any course you guys go to, you put it through this filter. Now uh, we we have a course that's coming up um, to parlay into that, I guess. Chafla graciously has helped co-sponsor that. So there's a pretty significant discount. We'll we'll show that to you guys at the end. But no matter what course you guys are going to, frankly, put it through that filter. If you guys really want to engage on a fun level with some approachable folks, uh, the two guys on this webinar will be there. But Dr. Manning is stinking hilarious. And uh, for those of you docs that are out here and you're trying to figure out some of those clinical pearls but it feels a little weird to do it on Zoom and it's not quite hands-on, um, he's a great guy to connect with. So if you guys are thinking about that, uh, we got an answer for you, um, but let's keep going. Uh, I know we're just about on time, which is awesome and a miracle. So Chad, why don't you, uh, why don't you hit your expensive plastic comment? You know, got at least a couple pairs over there.
0: Yeah, actually I was just thinking I should bring this one out. It's uh, one of the appliances that I use for my sleep apnea. I mean, if you look how fine this thing is, it's, it's really small, really minimal, really cool. I mean, it was really comfortable. It fits me still. You, you, if I pop it in, you'll hear it snap into place. I mean, awesome tech, right? This particular one is accurate within like 45 microns, like crazy. So it's an amazing piece of plastic. I'm just kidding. It is a milled, uh, device or yeah, milled oral appliance for the treatment of sleep apnea, mandibular advancement, mandibular advancement device. So when we talk about this piece of plastic and kind of to segue from the training side into the, into the appliance side, when our pay, when office sees this sitting on a model in our office and it it looks kind of small and, and dinky, it looks a lot like a snore guard. That's, $800 $800 or a Bruxism guard, that's a couple hundred dollars. Why is this one $4,000 is the question. And so we we need to get them trained on this too, in, in the same way that we're getting trained on it today. So a couple of things. As a national company, we, we have a really awesome lens to look at um, the fees that we're looking at. When we talk to practices, one of the most overlooked costs that, that is considered in any procedure they offer it is the doctor's time. The Anytime the doctor has to do work, it's a, this a, I forgot my English there for a second. It is of significant cost to the practice. No offense doctors, but you are the most expensive part of any dental practice. Um, your time is averaged between 300 to $700 an hour, depending on where you are in your career. And so that is a cost that needs to be considered. When we talk about sleep and the fact that it's a team-driven process, we're actually talking a lot about time. In a team-driven workflow, when your team is calibrated and trained, the doctor is spending between 20 and 30 minutes. I can tell you, um, and I'll just to keep it anonymous, we have offices on this call. The doctors are spending less than 15 minutes with the patient on most cases. Now, obviously, there's cases with complications, and that warrants a little extra time here, but- For some practices, as they get calibrated, as their team gets trained, when they have a a sleep champion, who's a dental assistant, who's handling a lot of these complications, it really optimizes those workflows and reduces the cost for a lot of these practices. So really important piece there. Um, Mike, what have you seen in your, your long experience in this industry?
1: Uh, the thing that goes uh, behind this slide that most people, uh, especially most docs, most of you that are looking to get into this versus have been doing it for a while, there's a little, there's a bit of uneasiness when you're looking at set, pricing a $2,500, $3,000, $4,000 case, and you're spending 20 or 30 minutes. I mean, we, we've, we've done live courses. We can't see your faces tonight. Uh, But we've been in plenty of these where we feel, we see the eyeballs that go, oh my gosh, I couldn't charge for that much time or that little time per se. Uh, This is like ortho, guys. How much does an orthodontist charge for an 18 month case? How much time does that orthodontist spend with the actual patient doing the work? After the consultation, not a lot. It's their clinical expertise it's their decision making for the overall case. And it's them seeing the patient for a couple of minutes every time the patient comes in. So over time, that adds up to maybe a couple of hours and 18 months. So just if you think about it through that lens, I would encourage you, that's what you're going for. That's the idea behind um, behind having this little, uh, little amount of doctor time. But You've got to have a calibrated team otherwise you're the one spending two and a half to three hours of time with every single case and frankly that diminishes your return on your profit for the case
0: it's actually one of the most common frustrations i get to hear when doctors are trying to get started in sleep and they're like i don't have time to do this in my practice and and that's the reality is that you do it is an opportunity to empower your team and help your patients increase your revenue. And really, there's not a whole lot of downside when your team is on the right page. But this is about setting your fee. So we're going to stop talking about training. Uh, we just we just have a good time training, guys. Sorry. But here, when we talk about the average fee across the country, now, we have seen practices on a fee-for-service basis. And as a disclaimer, I'm the fee-for-service guy. Um, we'll talk about our, Mike and I's several-year journey and conversations about medical billing later. But we're going to talk specifically about fee for service in the dental practice right now. If you have carceral medical billing, we are happy to take those. We do have a section of our content dedicated to that tonight. What we've seen across the country is between $1,800 and $6,000. I don't know that with the exception of in-network Medicare, I don't know if I've ever seen an appliance go for less than $1,800. What usually works best for a practice is between $2,850 and $4,500. Depending on your demographic, depending on what your patients are used to, um, that range of fee, can be exceeded pretty widely. So when we're talking about setting this fee, one of the encouragements that we give practices is to consider if you're into implants, what your net production on an implant case is, an efficient implant case, not one with a lot of complication. What is your net revenue after all the little pieces are considered inside of that procedure? Here, we need to consider all of our true costs. So we've got doctor time, which is mentioned earlier. We've got our appliance lab fee. Um, I showed up an appliance earlier, the OptiSleep. Um, I've got several other appliances in my drawer. And these appliances range from $300 to $650. Um, If you have CAD CAM, it's going to reduce that fee a little bit. So we're we're looking at, let's say, an average cost of $500. We've got our room turnover, which is going to vary significantly based on your practice. And one of the other pieces that people kind of forget about is the efficacy home sleep test. See, as dentists, we're never diagnosing sleep apnea. It's not within our license. We're going to leave that to a board-certified sleep physician, okay? Whether you, you have your own unit and you have a physician read it or you're using a third-party service that's always interpreted by a board-certified sleep physician. When the diagnosis gets rec- sorry, when the di- diagnosis is provided to our team and for our patient, they're going to give a recommendation for treatment. We need to do other follow-up tests that shows that the treatment is effective. That is kind of what we call closing the liability loop on there. So you guys should consider that cost. If you're using a third-party service, it would be worth considering wrapping in the fee of another test into that treatment plan just to make it super easy for our patients. So that's a cost that's going to go into your practice. The last cost that um, we like to talk about is the cost of third-party financing. Uh, we've used the word overlooked a couple times in this segment, because these are things that we don't always consider. Third-party financing is a useful tool. Even if you are to offer 24 month financing, which Mike's going to talk about in a second here, it is a lot less expensive than our patients saying no. If we can't afford to use third-party financing in our treatment plan for oral plan therapy, then you don't have the right fee. So make sure that you're considering third-party financing in, in the 24 month range as a part of the cost for offering this treatment. So your things to remember your national averages, your true cost of treatments and the value to your patient. Mike's going to really specifically hit on this. How do we build what, what we call the value proposition, or how do we build immense value in this treatment plan for our patients? Uh, And he's going to show you what we call the comprehensive treatment plan. Before we get into that though, I want to show you guys the potential in your practice. when we talk about money i think one of the certain people in the office get kind of offended sometimes um and i just want to address that in case anyone here is feeling that way um we are always focused on the results for our patients but we also have a business run if you guys wanted to run a charity you'd probably go volunteer your clinical skills somewhere else right so we're here to run a business and this is a potential of some of the pieces of the puzzle. So on the left-hand side, we have our cost. We have our doctor time, $350 for half an hour. We have our home sleep study if we own and operate our equipment. So using an interpretation service like ours is $80 and usually disposables are in the 10 to $20 range. So a hundred dollars in cost. If you have a cone beam, virtually $0, it doesn't cost you a whole lot to spend that thing around and get a 3D scan of your patient and an appliance. We averaged out the fee at about $500. Um, just as kind of a, an average across the country. The payments that you're going to get in offering this treatment plan, $100 for your initial exam where the patient is screened, your home sleep study, if you own and operate that, about $200, that's not a recommendation, that's a again, a national average there. CBCT, if you're billing dental or medical for it, and if you're on the low end of the appliance spectrum, you're charging twenty dollars for your appliance only, then your total production generated by offering sleep in your practice is roughly $3,300. In a single doctor practice, now this this looks like a lot of numbers, guys, but I'm gonna break it down really simply for you. A single doctor practice that has four hygiene days, two hygienists, they see 128 patients a month. If they can test 30 of those patients, then they stand to make about $19,000 in production, assuming they can get 30% of their cases accepted. We, as an interpretation company, have had the privilege of interpreting over 6,000 home sleep studies over the last several years. And what we've seen is that over 90% of patients that are tested come back with a positive diagnosis for sleep apnea. And of those diagnosed, 70% of them are in the mild to moderate range, which means 70 to 80% of the patients that you're testing Are going to be able to be treated with an appliance first. If you have a case acceptance of 30%, then your, your single doctor practice has the opportunity to make over $19,000 a month in net production. So that's the opportunity we're seeing here. And that's why we get so excited, because that means a whole lot for your business. It means a whole lot for bonusing your team. And it means a lot for the patients that we're helping. So, with that, how do we get patients to say yes to these fees? How do we get patients to say yes to this treatment plan? Um, this is actually one of the documents that you're going to get be able to receive and download in the email following our webinar. But we, we're gonna show you what we call the comprehensive treatment plan. How do we make it really simple for our patients to move forward? Mike, uh, why, don't you, why don't you show them what this document looks like and how to take it away from there?
1: Yeah, one, one quick thing before we hop into the document, Chad. Um, I I would recommend you guys just take into account the concept that eight patients a month that are treated, call it two a week, that doesn't happen without a system. Again, it's the game before the game. We've got to set up the pregame right so that we're actually knocking it out of the park when we've got those people sitting in the chair. It's not just about your word choice, but it's a lot about your word choice in that consult. But from a financial standpoint, we're going to move into that in this document. And respectfully, guys, it's, it's not just about dollars. In fact, I would venture to argue that it is way less about the dollars than it is about the actual value in the treatment. So I'd like to kind of present that to you. Before I do that, though, uh, we've got to know where we're at in this process right now. What has been completed and where are we at? So to be clear, the team has already screened a patient. The patient has already completed a test. Let's call that for an example, a home sleep test. That sleep test was read by a board certified sleep doctor. We've got all the necessary documents in place and you've had that clinical consultation with the patient. So now we're at part B, if you will, of this consult post sleep test. You've talked to the patient about their surgical options. They don't want to get cut and spend a lot of money getting a you know pacemaker implanted in their chest so it shocks their tongue, right? You've got a patient that wants the therapy clinically and now we've got to get them to a place where they can afford it. So I want to show you guys this document here. Um, yeah, here we go. And I'm going to uh, do this uh, actually from my iPad so I can show you guys exactly what this looks like. <clears throat> if my tech wants to work. <laughs> this is always the problem. <laughs> hey, chat, we go to the next... Uh... <clears throat> we go to the next screen and I'm going to try to do this one more time. There we go. Uh, so this is the document that we're going to look at. I want to pull it up uh, so we can actually uh, see it here and, and write on it. But from a sheet of paper standpoint, this is nothing super crazy, right? This is got what you're doing in your consult. It's got some payment options and some fine print on the bottom. At the end of the day, That's not the important stuff. What is important is the way that you talk about it and the way that you present it. So let me try this one more time on the iPad here. And it doesn't like me today. So we're gonna uh, go with uh, this, Chad, you want to share that screen one more time? Frustrating. All right, guys. So basically, let me, let me walk you through the top to the bottom. Uh, the top is obviously this is your patient, right? We want to understand exactly what the value is to them. So if we just stick a sheet of paper in front of them and say, hey, here's what your insurance is going to pay. Here's your share of cost. Go ahead and sign here and we're going to expect payment when you check out today. Is there any value in that? Not a lot, but I'm guessing in your GP office that happens all the time because you're only asking a patient for $52 on a filling for a tooth that already hurts them, right? That level of conversation is completely different. When you actually have a several thousand dollar case sitting in front of the patient, we've got to explain why this isn't a cheap piece of plastic. So let's walk through it from the top to the bottom. We've got listed here on the first bullet point, case initiation, planning, and consultation. Now, the vast majority of practices that we've worked with over time, the first question about this is why would I put that on there? This is what I do all the time. Well, frankly, this is medicine. And to be respectful to your physician counterparts. They get paid to think. The vast majority of physicians don't get paid to do things. They get paid to think, diagnose, and treatment plan for patients. So the thinking part of this process is incredibly valuable. You're bringing your expertise, your knowledge, and your critical reasoning to this case. Please list that. And the front office who's presenting this treatment needs to be able to say something on that level. They don't have to say it the way I did, but they need to build you up. Because if you build you up, you're an arrogant, self-absorbed doctor. If they build you up, you're God's gift to this patient. And they're so glad that they're your patient, right? Let's get the staff helping build that patient confidence in you and in what you're doing here. Hands on your personal clinical perspective. Every single bullet point here, we want them touching and explaining with the pen. So we want them to touch it with the pen, look down, touch the document, look at the patient in the eyes and explain what that means. So Mrs. Jones, your case includes the case initiation planning and consultation. That means that Dr. Smith is going to da 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 da. This is everything that he will go through to start your case and manage your case as we go through the process. Next thing, touch it with the pen you're going to receive an oral appliance. What that means is it's a custom fit mandibular advancement device. It will only ever fit in your mouth. We will ensure that it fits perfectly in your mouth and stays that way over time. Now you need to continue to wear it. When you do, you have a two-year warranty on that device for all repairs and anything that needs to be done. Next bullet point, touch it with the pen. We've got the oral appliance uh, or all of the appliance adjustments so where the appliance is warrantied itself for two years against any cracks or anything that could happen to it minus your dog chewing the lower half we're also going to warranty any of the time so for two years you can come back in bring the appliance in we'll adjust it or check its fit and all of that for two years and then you keep going down the list The titration tests and visits. Yes, there are other tests. That home sleep test that you took from us last week, we're going to probably need to do at least one, but maybe a couple of those across the next six months or so, just to make sure that this is actually working for you. All of that's included in here. The very end test, we're also going to have that physician read that test again. All of those fees are included. You have no extra fees. This is what's included in your cost. So on the next part, as we go into that, you're looking at the financial portion. Now we have to have the fee on this document. And guys, respectfully, if my iPad was working, it would be uh, right in front of your face. There's a flat fee. And then just below that, you've got this payment section. So you have the clear fee in front of them. Let's for round numbers, let's call that $3,500. Okay. Um, We're not just to be clear, we are not telling you to set your fee at that dollar amount. We're using it as an example and a round number. If you do $3,500, the numbers that fit in these payment buckets, the first one at six months is 583.33. So six payments of 583.33 is gonna to, to or be equivalent to $3,500. Um, 12 months is 291.67. At 18 months, it's 194.44, and at 24 months, you're at 146.83. Now, you're asking why on earth would I give my patients the ability to make 12 or 14 or 18 or 24 equal payments over time? Um, that's not going to happen. That's internal financing. We don't do that. Please don't misunderstand. We're actually saying that you want to use a third-party financing company and likely doing it interest-free for this. So let me hit those numbers one more time. And then I'm going to give you the correlative percentage. So what would a care credit, for example, charge you to do that interest-free? So the first one is $583.33 times six months. That's the payment. The interest rate on that is typically 5.9%. So 6%. The next one, $291.67 for 12 months. And your typical interest rate is 9.9%. The next one, 18 months, $194.44. Interest rate is 13.9%. Last one for 24 months, you've got $146.83. And your interest rate is 16.9% on average. Now, again, I'm using round numbers for interest rates that we see as the average across the country. In your area, it might be a little higher or lower. So please check with your third-party financing company for those exact details. That being said, if you got on this webinar tonight and you were charging $1,200, $1,800, $2,000 for an appliance, and we're talking about a $3,500 appliance At 146 dollar a month payment, is that 17 percent interest rate on two years interest free from Care Credit really expensive, or not? Because I can tell you, at 17 percent interest rate on that 24 month payment, you're only it's only costing you 595 dollars. Now, please don't misunderstand. That's a lot of money, but that 600 dollars that it's going to cost you is At $2,900 in gross revenue minus your financing cost, how much higher is that than your actual appliance fee that you've been charging or that medical insurance was allowing if you're billing them? So just to keep this in perspective, this is not the end all be all, but guys, I'm going to tell you the key takeaways here is one, build value in the case. You do it clinically as the doctor and let your front office person do their job and build you up, teach them how to do that if you need to, but allow them to build you up and build value in the case so that when it comes time to asking for dollars for the treatment, it's a no brainer because they're actually wanting it at this point. All right, so to kind of close that up, I'm gonna tell you straight up, if your patients say no to $146 a month payment, it's likely not to do with the money. We do simple math, Starbucks costs maybe $5, maybe it's seven depending on how high maintenance your order is, but let's call it five bucks for a latte. If you do that once a day, that's $150 a month. Now, most people don't put Starbucks in the line item of their budget because they don't wanna know. But we're literally talking about a cup of coffee, an expensive one, but a cup of coffee a day in your monthly payment, most patients, not all, but most patients will have that level of disposable income at their ability to make a decision here. So if they're saying no to this altogether, the question is why? Usually it's because of one of two reasons. It's because they don't understand the value or it's because they wanna buy something else. You haven't made that cute little cheap plastic appliance, it's very expensive. You haven't made that thing look prettier than the purse they're shopping for at Nordstrom's or the car they've been eyeing or the vacation that they've been saving. It, you're not trying to break the bank. You're trying to save their stinking life. And they've got to get that. They've got to feel the value and they've got to know that this is something I want to spend money on because people spend money on what their kids need and what they want, typically. Kids need, they want. Most people, that's how they spend money. We've got to hit people that they want what we're offering them and they will gladly figure out how to pay for it. All right, Chad.
0: Yep. I was thinking on, bring it. That's how, that's how you spend money. Um, I mean, no, that's how I, we, uh, (laughs) I do have four kids. You do. And you live in California, which independently are probably good decisions in themselves, but together it's a little bit rough. Um, No, here, uh, just so you know, Jill, we see your question in the chat and we're gonna save that for question and answer just for time consideration. The short answer is there is a way to build, sorry, dental for CBCT. It's not, I I don't know the technical terms, I'm gonna refer to Mike to that later. There is a way to do it with certain co I believe it has to do with splitting up the images and filling them as pants or something. Uh, But Mike's gonna answer that question a little more detailed later. And there is some ways to build medical for CBCT um, that are relatively simpler. Uh, than billing sleep. So we'll come back to that in a little while here. Um, first, when we talk about medical billing, um, you got, you have to know that Mike and I are two sides of the same coin. Uh, we both acknowledge that medical billing has value, but one of us likes it and one of us doesn't. We as a company, Awake and Asleep, used to bill medical. And uh, we used to make six figures a year billing medical. We were really good at billing medical. And now we don't. And so it has been uh, a story for the ages, uh, the battle of medical billing and awake sleep. And, and so Mike and I are the other side of that coin. And so we have a lot of expertise on this. And I'll just tell you right now, guys, that when we start talking about medical billing, it's an amazing value add. But when dental practices get started in medical billing and sleep, they're, they're just hurting themselves. You should treat sleep like you treat implants when you're learning them. You don't start trying to build medical for implants and cone beam until you've taken some cone beams and you've placed some implants learn how to do sleep first, do cases first, and eventually grow into medical billing as part of your business model, or don't. A lot of practices, candidly, when they cut medical billing out, they decide not to go back because there's a lot of opportunity there. And if patients want medical, then there's other people to help them with that. The reality is that it's an amazing value add, but it shouldn't be where we're putting our bets. So when it comes to the value add, absolutely. Is the timing right? Probably not when you're starting. And how is the complexity? Depending on your state guidelines, the insurance companies that are in your area, there's a lot of factors to consider in that, especially with the Medicare guidelines changing where they're going. So when we start talking about medical billing questions, one, do we have to get a pre-author or appliance? A pre-authorization is different than a pre-D. It's not a guarantee, it's a speed bump. It's saying, we might pay you after you get this pre-authorization, you still gotta do these other things, we're just more likely to pay you. Additionally, we got to figure out how much of the de- deductible is METS. And the other reality, the, the heavy question at the end, what if medical insurance doesn't pay? The crazy thing is that we don't even know if medical insurance is going to pay until 30 days after we've delivered our appliance in a lot of cases. So here, we're going to include this document in the email we're sending you guys afterwards. If you are really, um, really, really certain that you want to build medical, then Here's a medical billing checklist. It's not incredibly comprehensive. It's a checklist that we recommend is used. If a patient is asking the question Then you can very simply say we're a dental office, we don't bill medical insurance. However, we know that a lot of patients ask this question. So we'll provide this documentation for you. And if your medical insurance needs anything else from us, we're happy to help, but that's actually between you and your medical insurance. Just to kind of give you guys an overview of what, you know, We could talk about this for several hours. You know, Chris Ferrugia has an amazing set of content that's two days on this exact topic. But when we talk about billing medical, there's several different models to consider. And the reality as relates to sleep is that it is the number one killer of sleep programs in the US. So we're gonna we can take some medical billing questions here, but just know that if you're starting in sleep, or even if you're you've been doing sleep a little while and you're doing it pretty well without medical billing, or maybe you're doing okay with medical billing. It might be one of the things slowing down your case acceptance in your process. If you eliminated that part of your workflow, how much faster would your patients get through it? Yeah, like, and I'm,
1: I'm I gotta <laughs> hop in. I, I gotta hop in here just for a quick minute. Um, medical insurance is not the devil, guys. It's not, it is not the thing that's holding your program back. If it's too complex, it's because we don't have the other systems in place you've gotta have a completely different workflow if you're doing medical billing. You're likely gonna include telemedicine consults or local consults with a doctor at each and every stage, and they are quarterbacking the process and you guys are delivering appliances. So make sure if you're gonna do this, make a business decision to do it. And I do agree with Chad, if you're just starting out or you haven't honed in your system, wait six months. And make a business decision at the end of six months. How many people didn't move forward with your fee-for-service model because they're waiting on you for medical billing? Look at the list and yep. take numbers and make that decision. So there are a, a number of options here and we, we will probably be answering questions for a while on this tonight. But yep. medical billing is never going to be the crutch to get you paid or to get you over the hump of convincing a patient to move forward based on little cost. Yep. it will bite you on the button. Build the value, sell the case, do medical billing when it is business-wise appropriate for your practice, and make that decision wisely.
0: Yeah, which drives us to getting to yes is our is our primary objective. Getting to yes helps more patients get helped, helps us generate more revenue as a practice. Uh, Scott, I think Dr. Bobbitt, if you um, have a question, I see you raise your hand, go ahead and submit it so we can review in a little bit. So just to kind of recap, guys, what we're talking about here, how to get to yes, we're going to streamline our HSC workflow. We're going to get our team on the same page and potentially look at getting equipment or finding services that help our workflow be simple and streamlined. We're going to get our team trained. We're going to get them trained so they understand why we're doing this and how it impacts our patients' lives. We're going to build tangible value for our patients in a treatment plan in offering financing options and we're going to make it easy by considering doing a fee-for-service model and so that leads us to really kind of our, our action item for you guys today getting off to a fast start if you're getting started to sleep or maybe you have some experience with sleep we recommend you find 10 to 15 patients who need a test help get them tested either use a service or discount your own service that you guys have in your practice and offer limited time discounts on your treatment just to get started, get your feet wet, figure out what breaks, what doesn't, how much time it's gonna take you as you get started and offer a discount on the entire treatment plan for you because for your patients in your office, because that's going to help you figure out what your true cost is. And you're gonna get paid a little bit of money, not as much as normal, a little bit of money to learn how to help patients with this life-threatening disease. So your next steps, um, you're going to establish your fee. You're going to get an email later tonight that has our downloads for you. Establish your fee on that treatment planning document. Uh, You're going to customize that form and you're going to set your fast track program details. So those are our next steps for today, guys. And if you guys had fun today with us, um, we do encourage you guys to consider getting on our course. Uh, this course is two days, it's 14 CEs. And, when we go through it, practices get started and they are able to really start moving. And we're talking an average practice starts doing two to, two to five appliances a month. And that's a, that's a big difference for a lot of practices. So Mike, any, any other closing thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, as far as, uh, as, far as the treatment planning goes, guys, um, put, your, put yourself in the patient's shoes. Is it easy to say yes? Is it affordable? Does it demonstrate value? Are you making the entire process from the beginning to the end dialed in where they have confidence? If you're doing those things, keep doing more of those things and you need some practice. If you gotta tweak it, then tweak it. As far as the course goes, I'm I'm gonna tell you guys right now, I have attended or taught in thousands of hours, tens of thousands of hours of CEs at this point in my career. And I've gotta tell you, being able to have a two-day virtual course that is a small audience with breakout groups where we can look at each other as close to -to face-to-face as possible right now without getting on a plane and laughing and listening to a doctor who's taken his lumps for 10 years and does several hundred thousand dollars a year in sleep. Being able to pick somebody's brain like that or talk respectfully, talk to guys like us who have coached hundreds of practices and know what the bumps that people hit. Uh, You should book a ticket and then check with your staff if they're available that weekend, because we'll let you move to any weekend you want to for the rest of the year. But respectfully, that's my two cents. Chefless helping out and giving a discount is 50% off. So we appreciate them for sponsoring this. And uh, that's bottom line. That's my, my shameless plug here, guys. If you wanna hang out for two days instead of an hour, we will pour into you and you'll walk out with an action plan. And that's what we're all about. We want you guys yep. to do
0: better work. Additionally, the link to register for the events is also in the chat. So if you guys are interested in an upcoming event, please make sure to register um, for your teams. And remember, it's about the patients at the end of the day. So we had some questions and answers. Um, Mike, we had that question earlier, and I just and if you want to give the details on does dental insurance cover CBCT, uh, Jill says I know we haven't covered we haven't covered medical insurance, but do you have a code for CBCT?
1: Yes. Um, Before I answer that, the uh, course discount, uh, we got another question about that. It ends Friday. So you guys have a few days to decide. You can check out the dates. It does expire this Friday, uh, the 12th, Friday, the 12th at midnight. Um, So back to Jill's question on dental insurance. Does dental cover a cone beam scan? And excuse me, uh, does if medical is going to cover it, what's the code? Um, So does dental cover it? First question, very rarely. Dental, if you're taking a cone beam and you're either extracting the pan or that's an image that you get within the cone beam scan that you've got, you can bill for the separate images so long as you are taking them and have that documented evidence of the radiograph. So you can bill dental for the codes that you already bill and are getting paid on. So the bite wings, if you're taking those, the pan, et cetera. as far as Cone beam goes, it's incredibly rare for dental to pay for that. Uh, maybe MetLife and a couple of the Delta Dental premiers, um, but very rare. On the medical side, the code for CBCT is 70486. I'll repeat that. The CPT billing code for ConeBeam is 70486. Uh, if you're going to bill medical, they're gonna want the ICD-10 diagnosis codes that are separate from that billing code basically the reasons why you're doing it. And please don't list airway as one of those reasons, even though the cone beams that are available for you guys to take these scans will color code them and give you an incredible screening platform to talk to patients. That is not what they are designed to be built for because you can't diagnose an airway condition with that scan. So please make sure you're doing it for dental reasons you bill it for the dental codes. There's plenty to justify that. And if you guys want to dig into that more, we've got a course about that, or you can talk to your medical billing company, but the medical billing code is uh, 70486. Cool. Chad, I think we had a couple other questions, um, about workflow here and I don't, I'm not seeing them in the chat. What, well, I, I think I can get it from, uh, from what I saw earlier. What is the number one thing that you've seen in the practices that you've coached? Because it's a vast array. What's the top thing that you've seen kind of turn the switch in practices that have everything, but they needed to do this one thing and it really was the difference maker for them?
0: Your shot, man, Go. Yeah, um, I was just just thinking about a practice um, that just got started with our coaching program two months ago, and um, the doctor has had a home sleep for about a year and a half, and he's tested one or two patients every other month or so, and he finally, after like two years of following up, we met at some cone beam sales event like four years ago, and he finally brought his team to a course, and overnight- They started doing two or three tests a month. They got their team on a coaching call one time. And they went from doing two to three a month to doing 10 home sleep studies a month. They made $20,000 in two months, four months into starting their sleep program. And it really was that their team needed that gentle reminder of, of being there Their whole team wasn't even able to attend the course. Candidly, it wasn't about the course. It was that we got on a coaching call for an hour and I said, Hey guys, my name is Chad and we're going to do this because if you don't, your patients are going to die faster and we need to help them. Here's the short explanation of why that is. Here's a detailed explanation of how we're going to screen them. And those guys just went crazy. And, um, they got their staff tested too. That was a really big thing, but their team just believing in them. When hygiene, when doctor said you need to do this test and the hygienist was like, yeah, you know, doctor really believes what we're doing here. And if he's saying you should do this test, you really should. Instead of saying, oh, well, I don't really know why he's talking about airway. You know, it's something we just started doing. So, you know, it's not a big deal. Dramatic impact on the, on the first conversion number on that home sleep test ratio that we're starting off with.
1: Um, another one for you, since you mentioned it, uh, what you mentioned skin in the game earlier, what does that mean? You said, given the patient's skin
0: in the game. Yeah. So skin in the game is kind of referring to the idea that when we have a patient who we're presenting treatment to, so let's just go with that number we talked about earlier $3,500. We're saying, Hey, Mr. Jones, we want you, this is our comprehensive treatment plan. It's $3,500. When they've already spent money on a home sleep test, whether it be $200 or $350 through our testing service, something like that, they have some skin in the game and we could potentially, if our fee is struck correctly, discount their treatment plan, but what they already spent. So it's not $3,500. They've already invested towards that. They already have skin in the game. And so it looks cheaper to them. And it says, well, I'm already, I'm already part of the way through. I'm already partially committed. And they're more likely to finish that commitment as they um, are presented that treatment plan because they already have skin in the game. They're already invested to a certain degree when you, when you bridge those things together and structure for you properly.
1: Yeah, um, A comment from Claire. This, uh, Claire, thank you for sharing this with us. Um, pairing with what the ADA has come out with due to COVID, um, the recommendation is extra oral bite wings whenever it's possible. So if the practice has the ability to do extra oral bite wings, that is the current recommendation. And the obviously as the sponsor of this webinar, uh, Chefla does have a number of units that do that as well. So we are thankful to you guys uh, for helping us out with tonight. Um, and guys, if you're, I mean, we're, we're past the, the CE portion. So I'll, I'll give you a shameless plug for our sponsor here. If you guys are looking for a cone beam, and you're looking for a medical grade scanner. There's a difference there, but if you're looking for a medical grade scanner and you're looking for one that's gonna do the airway scan, the color coding, and it's something that your physician counterparts would also have access to, this is a great company to check out. So check them out, talk to your rep and, uh, and see if that's a good fit for you. Um, as far as the, uh, the medical billing goes, because we keep getting uh, questions about that. Um, There is a time and a place for medical billing. And and I also, I just want to add a little bit of clarity here, you guys. Um, If you're going into a medical insurance environment, make sure that you have a third-party company to start out and help you. Make sure they know the dental dynamics of medical insurance billing and the specific things you're billing for, i.e., If you do a lot of surgeries and you're doing a tiny bit of sleep and you're doing a ton of implants and bone grafts, and that's a huge portion of your practice, you're probably going to want to deal with a medical insurance billing company that specializes in surgery and they know about sleep. Now, maybe they don't know about sleep and that works for surgeries over there. Find a company that knows sleep if this is something that you're going to get heavy into, I will tell you, Dr. Manning, when he gets on our course, he opens up and says, look, I went into medical billing because I didn't think I had an option. And I went a really long time not getting paid. But he fought through it and went through the hurdles. And now he's in network with a lot of insurances and contracted with Medicare because one of the largest retirement centers in a suburb of Arizona is in his backyard across the street from his practice. It makes sense. So medical billing isn't wrong in its proper place, but know what you're getting into. Don't just attend a course and think, oh, man, I have to do this. If you're going to have to do anything respectfully, guys, please just screen your patients. That's what you have to do. Because in this role, we are all a part of that patient's life on some level. They trust you. They lean into you. And when you start seeing this stuff and you can't unsee it, you can choose to not treat it. You could choose to do medical billing or not, but please don't make the choice to just turn the other way. We got to help folks. Their lives matter. That conversation matters. And there is, as you've seen tonight, there is plenty of flow through. If you decide to treat this and just do a little bit, there's some significant profit margins in here. You don't have to scrape the bottom of the barrel to get there. Just make sure that your systems are in order and that you lean into people as necessary to make that happen. That's, that's what it's all about. There's my, uh, after CE plug for, uh, <laughs> with, with no filter, this is what I would do if I'm you guys. So there you go, man. Yeah. So got any, uh, any closing words. We are a little over time. Uh,
0: Option of, yeah, go ahead.
1: Uh, David, uh, Guzman, I don't know if you're a doctor or not, cause I didn't see your previous answer earlier, but, um, Recommendation for a billing company, uh, I would check out GoGo Billing. And again, we're, we're after the CE portion, so we can just say it clear as day. Uh, the folks there that run that shop rock. If you want to do medical billing, whether you're in or out of network, they can handle it for you. But they will they will not just hold your hand. They'll smack you around if you're not giving them the stuff that they need to bill for you. Uh, and respectfully, you don't need a best friend in your billing company. You need somebody who's going to shoot it to you straight and get you paid. So they get paid. That's the bottom line. So they, they absolutely have our endorsement for that because they do a great job.
0: Yeah. Um, medical billing guys, and and I am the anti-medical billing guy, but I will tell you, I've seen practices that are doing well with it. And in those practices in those circumstances, um, it makes total sense. You just have to make sure you're doing it right. You know, there's, you need a telemedicine solution. You need to check these boxes. And if you check the boxes, you'll get paid. But when you're starting adding all the boxes to be checked that are not necessary from a clinical or liability standpoint is just extra work at this point. So let's simplify it, let's help people. And at the end of the day, we help people make money. We're having a good time. So um, Jill says they've done great with Medicare. Uh, and now some patients going with advantage or replacement plans, which are horrible. I love working with pristine for billing. So we've heard a lot of, uh, pristine, uh, they're a really well-known company. So, um, thanks Jill for, for jumping in and sharing that, um, more and more plans are coming out and we're going to see that. Well, as I like to sell some of my clients, medical insurance companies are not in the business of paying claims, uh, they're in the business of keeping up to as much of, as close to 80, 20% of their premiums as possible. Yep. So yeah. yeah. All right, guys, if there's no more questions, we're going to close out the room. We already posted the link. We're gonna send out an email later tonight that has um, your recap, your webinar recording, your documents to download, and uh, just some information on how to take advantage of our course offer as well. So thank you guys so much for joining us today and we will see you on our next webinar, which we need to mention. We are doing another webinar on March 10th with Dr. Carstensen and um, airway management. So that link will be in your email as well. Thank you guys for joining us today and we'll see you next time. Thanks guys. Go do good work. Have a great night. Thank you for joining us on this webinar. If you'd like more information on dental sleep medicine, education, coaching, or home sleep testing services, please feel free to reach out to us at com forward slash edu or at info at awaken number two sleep.com. Thank you and have a great day.